Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast podcast. We want to extend an invitation to sit in live with us during our weekend service. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message inspires you, but also challenges you in your walk with God. For more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Now here's Pastor Marco with an encouraging word. It's been a really awesome week for us as a church, very productive. I love when we have weeks like this because uh, the church is, is awesome when the church is active. And I love this church because we're very active. You know, we had summer school on Wednesday night. We're unpacking what it means to have purpose. You know, I can't encourage you enough to come. Uh, I believe there's a purpose inside of you right now. You just need to be, you know, sometimes pulled in the right direction. You don't want to just exist. You want to live with purpose. And that's what we're doing on Wednesday nights. If you're serious about finding out what you're here for, uh, you're here for a reason, for a purpose. And the Word of God helps you to awaken that purpose. See, I don't believe Jesus came to just, you know, save us to go to heaven. I believe Jesus came to awaken our purpose on earth, like for, for us to live life with meaning and purpose and to be effective, to have a function, to have relationships, to have character, to see heaven come to earth. That's the point of following Jesus if you're not tracking yet. And so I hope to see you Wednesday night. And then, and then the ladies had a fantastic Friday night. Um, over 220 women got together. You know, that's scary right there. That's, that's scary, you know. Um, but it's awesome. You know, the way the ratio is set up in this church, I think there's more females than males. Um, so that's about 400 and 567 men, I think, uh, if you go by ratio. Um, but, you know, not that we're counting. You know, ladies, you had a great time. We're not hating. I'm just, I'm just saying um, that, that was awesome. And then, and then my favorite thing is when we serve the city. I, I just love when we go and we serve the city in tangible ways because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus would go and serve people in tangible ways. And, and it's so awesome. We, we had, um, you know, I went to jail for a good reason this week um, to, to bring Jesus to the people in jail. Me and my few other brothers, we had our first Bible study behind bars. It was really awesome. Um, I tell you, it was, it was weird because here we are behind bars, but my brothers could testify to this. It, it felt so right. If we felt at peace. We felt like this is where we're meant to be. Like wherever Jesus is, there's freedom. You know, you, you, there's nothing that Jesus won't do. And, and, and I'm so excited for us to come with that, with that ministry. And as we were leaving, the ladies were leaving from their Bible study. It was awesome to see the church being active and and, and we went to say hi to them. The first thing they said to us was, how many of y'all get saved today? I'm like, yo, it's not a competition. Relax. You know, but I heard nine women gave their lives to Jesus this week. And, and my goodness, that's awesome. What a great way to live our lives. And then we had a, two other groups at two different shelters. We we had uh, another group at the youth detention home. We donated a brand new ping pong table to them. They were extremely thankful for that. Uh, that's what Jesus does, man. We bless people. Another group was a tent city, blessing the homeless where, where, where they are and where they commute. We, we, we bring them food. We bring them, you know, basic necessities that they have. Loads of love. We're helping some families do laundry that may be a struggle for them. Uh, the youth went to a nursing home. So there's so many great things happening in this church. I hope you... You, you can thank God for what he's doing in this church. And then we have, you know, a group going to Haiti this week to, to go be a blessing to the orphans there. And, and we're, we're sending. 
And they're bringing, you know, the church is donating a backpack for every single kid in that orphanage with school supplies in them. So this is what church is all about, people. This is what church is all about. This is what you're part of. I hope you understand that. You're part of something bigger than all of us. And that's what purpose is. Purpose is when you're part of something that's bigger than you. And it stays even when you're after, if, even after you're done with it, it still goes on. Because that's what legacy is all about. Can you say amen? If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 6. I want to talk to you uh, about a life that's well built. The title today is well built. A life that is well built. Ask your neighbor, are you, are you well built? Ask your other neighbor, are you sure? <laughs> the way your life's set up, are you well built? These are the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 6, beginning with verse 46. He says this, So why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? It's like, whoa, Jesus, right off the bat? That's like round one, uppercut. Like, whoa, Jesus, like, we just got started. Jesus don't hold punches, you know. Verse 47, I will show you what's it like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise, because they will, and break against that house, it stands firm because it is, it is, one more time like we're in school, it is, y'all were good students. Verse 49, but anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins, and we don't want that. Tell your neighbor, I don't want that. I want to be well, one more time. Amen. Jesus walked the earth during first century. Now, that's not a fate statement. That's just an historical statement that Jesus was a, a real human being who walked the earth during first century. And, and it doesn't take fate to know that. It doesn't take fate to believe that because that's just an historical fact. Okay, to deny that Jesus walked the earth is to deny history, and to deny history is to deny yourself, because you're part of history. You're here right now, right? So Jesus walked the earth during the first century. Now, the, the faith part of this is to believe that not only did he walk the earth, but he, said, but he was who he says he was, not just a human being, but the son of God who lived a perfect life and, and went to the cross and, and paid for, for, for our sins and rose again from the dead and brought us new life. That's the faith side of it. But the human side of it is just history. Now, when Jesus walked the earth, the Roman Empire ruled the earth. Like, if you know a little bit of history, you know that the Roman Empire was the vastest and biggest, craziest empire that's ever existed in history. And they ruled the earth in that time. And Jesus was, lived in that time period under the oppression of the Roman Empire. See, the Roman Empire would go into nations and they would conquer it and, and, and they would make you basically their slave and you would have to pay their taxes. You would have to live according to their practices. They will give you some freedom if you didn't, if you didn't cause any trouble, which they call Pax Romana. If you just live under what we're saying, you can just do your thing. But we are the ones that are ruling the earth. And they had an emperor, Caesar, who believed he was like a god 
And they would even call him Caesar, the son of God. And everywhere they would conquer, people would have to bow their knees to Caesar and call Caesar Lord. The word Lord, we don't use that anymore. Uh, you know, because we're not in, in those old days anymore. We don't say dine and thou anymore. We don't use King James language anymore. But Lord is like saying he is the authority. He is the boss. He is the one that runs the show. And if you don't want any trouble, you just want to submit to Caesar. And therefore, you can live your life to a certain extent with freedom and not be killed for not obeying Caesar. So this is the time that Jesus lived in. And so when you see Jesus say, why do you call me Lord? That's an interesting statement because in this moment, Jesus was under the Roman Empire and they're being ruled by a Caesar who ruled with an iron fist like he played no games. And if you mess with that system, it could cause you your life. It could cost you your life. And so here are the first disciples saying, wait a minute, no, we're, we're going to confine to a different Lord. We're going to confine to a different Savior. We're going to confine to a different person who actually runs things. So this is a tension. I hope you understand this. This is a tension in this society as it is a tension now. Nowadays, people would say, not my president. You know, like, whatever your political stance is, right, the goal is, the, the number one priority is, who are we listening to? Yeah. Right? This is the way it comes down to, this lordship thing. Again, we don't use that word anymore. But basically, who is the final authority in your life? See, in that time frame, Caesar by force would say, I'm the final authority in your life. And if you don't agree with it, then I'm going to take it by force. Right? So here's the followers of Jesus saying, no, we found a new Lord, and he doesn't take it by force. This is a willing submission to believe that he is the final authority in our lives. Are you tracking with me so far? We're going somewhere here. So he says, why do you call me Lord if you don't do the things that I'm asking you to do, right? Because if you're saying he is Lord, you're saying he's the authority. Not by force like Caesar, but by choice. There's a difference. Isn't there a difference between wanting to do something and having to do something? See, with Caesar, they had to. With Jesus, he's saying, do you want to? Are you tracking Right? There's a difference in authority in how you rule. Are you ruling with an iron scepter or are you ruling with love and devotion? Right? So he's saying, like, if you say, like, I'm Lord, if you're saying I'm the one that you want to follow, then why not do the things that I'm asking you to do? Because if you don't, how are you going to see the results of the things I'm preparing for you? Yeah. See, Christianity is a willing, submissive life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's not a must, it's a want. It's a difference. And that's a powerful difference because, because he's saying here, like, listen, I have a way of doing things. And if you follow that, then, then your life will be well built. But you can't say I'm Lord of your life if you're not going to follow the things that I'm asking you to follow out of a willing desire that comes from your heart. This is not forced. That's why the Bible says it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by the Spirit of God that you will see the will of God in your lives. Right? There's going to be always authority over us who would want to rule by force. Jesus is saying, you know, I rule by love and by choice. And if you want to come after me, 
then willingly submit your life to me. Then you will see what it means to have me as the Lord over your life. Are you tracking so far? Right? So this is the world that Jesus lived in. And honestly, this is the world we live in. All of us are answering to somebody. Even those who say, no one runs my life. That's a statement who says, yeah, I know who's running your life. <laughs> Everybody thinks I am extremely independent. Isn't it funny? I, I, you know what, what cracks me up about that is, is the people that are like, I'm so unique, but you look like everybody else. Isn't it funny? We fight for uniqueness, but it's like, why do you look like everybody else? You talk like everybody else. You dress like everybody else. You know what I mean? It's like, where's the uniqueness in that? Right? But it's this thing where we're trying to fight to have freedom and freedom is a good thing, and we should all be free, and Jesus is for freedom. But what he's saying is uh, a, true, a, a true free person is able to do the things they need to do. Oh, I don't know if you caught that. True freedom is not in I can do whatever I want. True freedom is because I can do whatever I want, I'm going to do what I need to do. Come on. <laughs> that, is, that is fantastic, people. That's when you know you're really free. Right? You're really free when you're like, I can do everything, but I'm just going to choose what's. Uh, let me put it this way. The Bible says everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Right? right? If I'm truly free, I'm after the what's beneficial. Right. And Jesus is saying, if you really call me Lord, then come follow me because I have some things that might benefit your life. But I can't do that if you're just saying that I am, but you're not actually following through come on, come on. that I actually am the Lord of your life. Are we preaching yet? The followers of Jesus went against the grain of society and says, no, we're going to follow this Lord who is more than a human being. So if you're going to call Jesus Lord, then it's about doing the things he says to do. When we submit our lives to Jesus, then he becomes Lord and Savior by choice, not by obligation. Can you say amen? amen. So he says, then, then if, if we can establish that first, then I can build your life like a house is built, and I can build it well, right? This is what the illustration is all about. He says, I, I want you to look at your life like a house, because he's always trying to give you illustrations you can picture. He says, your, your, your life is like a house, and I've been watching this thing live happening in front of my eyes. Right in front of my house, literally like across the street, they're building a house from scratch, and I'm like, man, Jesus gave me a live illustration of this message right here. Like, I can see, fr- like, when we first moved, it was just the land. And I had plans for that land. You know, like I owned it. I was like, I'm going to put my son's basketball hoop over there so we can play this way. We won't bother any of the neighbors. We can just, like, have this land to ourselves. And then literally within weeks of moving, they started digging for our foundation in this place. I'm like, excuse me, I got plans for that. Like, y'all didn't check with me, you know. Like, I own the land. But it's so cool to see this process right in front of my eyes. The process of building a house from scratch is what Jesus is saying. Like, that's what I want to do with your life. If you allow me to truly be the Lord of your life, can you say amen? Amen. And so, oh, we want to, okay. (laughs) So, so he says, he says the foundation is the most critical part of this. Did you catch that? He says it's all, it all comes down to how solid is your foundation. Because that's the first part of this thing. Like when they begin to build that house, that was the first thing they did. They dug deep so they can put a foundation down. And this was months ago. 
By the way, you don't build a house overnight. You build a house over time. So Jesus is saying, like, let's talk about the foundation of your house or your life. If you really want a, a great life, if you really want a life that's going to sustain anything, let, let's talk about the foundation. It's so interesting because I looked up why a foundation is so critical. And they say this, it comes down to three things why it's so critical to have a solid foundation when you're building a house. Watch this. It says this. Listen, first of all, the foundation supports the load of the entire building. Two, it keeps the house standing while the forces of nature wreak havoc. And then three, a strong foundation keeps the ground moisture from seeping in and weakening the structure. This will preach, my friends. Do you understand why Jesus was such an amazing teacher? Do you understand what he's saying here? Right? About him being the foundation of your life. He's saying, listen, you need something that will support the Lord of your entire life. What is that? Because all of us are standing on something. And the true test of your, of your life is, is, is when things hit the fan. Are you, are you good? Is your foundation good? Right? Jesus is making a strong point. He's saying, listen, you want a strong foundation? You might want to be rooted to the one who is life. Because he said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. See, this is why he says first, you got to figure out, am I the Lord of your life? Because if I'm not the Lord of your life, then I can't really be the one that supports the entire life. Oh, somebody, are you catching this? Some people want to grab Jesus' teachings and kind of attach to their lives, but that's not what this is all about. It's Jesus is the life that you attach everything to. There's a difference. Right? There's a difference. Because you can get a nice Jesus quote and say, oh, that's nice. I'll take that. Oh, that's nice. I'll take that. Like a spiritual buffet. You know, I'll take that. I'll take that. You know, but if you skip over the broccoli, you skip over all the stuff that's going to give you some strong foundation. Did I actually just say broccoli? <laughs> but the second thing it says is it keeps the house standing while the forces of nature wreak havoc because they will. See, it's not if, it's when life hits. Because he will. You're probably in the middle of it right now. You're probably in the middle of a storm right now, a storm financially or a storm in your relationships or, or a storm at work or a storm in your neighborhood or, or just, a, just a storm in your mind because it's going to happen. He's saying like, listen, your foundation is the key to how you're able to withstand the storms of life. I love Jesus because he was so honest with us. He says, in this world, you're going to have troubles. He didn't hide that from us, but he says, Take heart because I've overcome the world. And if you're standing on me, if you're rooted and grounded in me, then no weapon formed against you is going to prosper because you're in me. Is your life rooted and grounded in Jesus? Because he's rooted and grounded in something. When the economy collapsed a few years ago, you saw some people commit suicide because they entire life was rooted and grounded in their finances. And the problem with finances is they're shaky. It's that shaky ground. Some people, they break up and they go into a depression. Why? Because their entire foundation was built on another person. That's a scary way to live life. Right? What is going to keep you from not 
losing it when nature hits, because he will. Life is unpredictable. The person next to you is unpredictable. You're unpredictable. I'm unpredictable. So I need something that's predictable outside of myself. I need an anchor for my soul, and his name is Jesus. That's why I need to root myself in something more than myself. And number three, it says the foundation keeps the ground moist, the ground moisture from seeping in and weakening the structure. My goodness. What a word. There are things that will come to weaken your life if Jesus is not the Lord of your life. There are things that will creep in slowly because nothing happens overnight. It happens over time. When we lived in Rhode Island, we were looking for, for a house for a long time. And we found a house and we fell in love with it. My wife and I fell in love with it. We're like, this is the one. So excited. And then we, 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 we got someone in our family who does construction. We said, come over, man. Come see this thing. What do you think? And to our disappointment, he said, man, the house looks good on the outside. But it has termites. And I said, with, he said, with termites sooner or later, the whole thing is going to crumble. It's going to cost you crazy to get into this house. So I advise you not to go into this house, even though you love it. This is why I keep telling you guys, don't run on feelings. You need deeper things than feelings. You need principles to be able to attach your life to, to say, wait a minute, this might look good, but it's going to weaken my structure over time. Now you got you to put two and two together because we all have things that might come in to weaken our structure. This is where the word sin comes in. Okay? Sin is anything that's robbing you of your purpose. But sin doesn't come in and says, I'm here to rob you of your purpose. Right? Sin comes in subtle ways. Right? And so I have to discern to say, if my life is not rooted in Jesus, then I can't discern what sin is because I just go with what feels good. Right. And not everything that feels good is right. And not everything that's right feels good. So we need something stronger than just our feelings to attach our lives to. Because certain things feel good in the moment. But the aftermath. Right? If you didn't feel good in the moment, we wouldn't do it. <laughs> but, I, but Jesus said this. You got to keep reading. He says, when you're building a house, you got to count the cost. What he was saying is, if you counted the cost, what he means to follow me. Because it's not always going to feel good. How many of you know the moment you said yes to Jesus, all hell broke loose? Come on, have you ever had that experience? Now, the key is, what do you do with that? Do you say, oh, man, I, I gave my life to Jesus, nothing happened? Or do you say, wait, because I gave my life to Jesus, there's a different Lord who is not happy because I used to be under his dominion, but now I came under that, so I'm going to stay here and let the Lord lead my life. And, and, and the key to a healthy structure that way, that doesn't have things that was going to creep in, is to be honest with ourselves to say, Jesus, evaluate. Because as you build in a house, you have to evaluate the progress. And you have to evaluate what's coming in and what's coming out. If you ever stop and look at your life and say, what's going in and what's going out? Because the key is, if Jesus is Lord, then I have to filter everything through the eyes of him. Who is running? Because think about it, right? When, you, when, you, when you're in the middle of a project, like a house, you need someone who is kind of like running things. The worst thing is if you have like 50 managers and two workers. <laughs> you ever been in situations where there's too many managers? 
Everybody's saying what to do. Everybody has an input what to do. The problem is, the problem is at the end of the day is we need someone who has a blueprint. If we don't follow this blueprint, we might not get the outcome that we desire. Right? So what I love about blueprints, they are the same. I can change them if I want to, but if I don't follow the blueprint, then I can't expect to get the results that I, that I, on the blueprint. The blueprint is a done deal. My feelings may shift, but the blueprint remains the same. I'm not talking about a house anymore. I hope you understand. We need, you need principles. That's why he says, listen, if you call me Lord, then, then, then apply the principles. If you're going to see a house well built, if you're going to see a life well built. See, when I did research on, 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 on this, which, which is so cool, it, it led me to this. They said the, the foundation of a, of a healthy house needs to be able to withstand the dead load and the live load. The dead load is, is what you already established that's going to remain constant, like already the house. But he says the live load is where it gets interesting. He says that this foundation has to be able to withstand the weight of the people and other objects that you bring into your house. My friends, that will preach. Did you catch that? He said, listen, Jesus is like, yeah, I'm establishing your house. But the blueprint says it is built for certain weight. And they're not everybody's supposed to be in that house. So, so if you go and you call an audible and you start doing things that Jesus didn't say to do and then things don't go the way you want to do, don't come be blaming Jesus. Like, look at the blueprint. I told you this is the blueprint. Because we got people calling audibles in their house all the time. But not realizing where you call an audible, that's a quick fix. But on the long run, though. If you have a plumbing situation at home, you might need a professional plumber, not the guy that's just looking up YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, I think I got this. Because, you, you know, the, the thing, you know, just cost you 50 bucks today, but, but down the line, it might cost you $10,000. I'm not talking about a house anymore, people. I hope you understand. I'm not talking about a house. There's a lot of quick fixes that lead to dead end street down the line. They always say, oh, yeah, I can, I can do this real quick. Yeah, you can do it real quick, and, and you can get a return real quick. Are you tracking? It's Jesus building your house. Because this is what he says. Watch this. Ephesians says, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And if you know old buildings back in those days, is you start with the cornerstone. It's a massive stone that just kind of like becomes the focus of that old house. If the cornerstone is off, the house is off. Jesus is saying like, I have to be the cornerstone. This is why he's saying like, yeah, you're going to call me Lord? Make sure that I am Lord. Because if, if you don't follow the protocol, then don't expect the results to be what I said it would, they were going to be. A lot of times people blame God for stuff that God didn't do. See, storms will come, but sometimes you're the storm. Y'all ain't going to talk to me today. Sometimes you brought the storm home. He said, don't be unequally yoked. You got with him. He didn't love Jesus. Now, he, now your heart is broken. You're all a mess. You're crying out Jesus. He's like, I told you. No, no. He don't love me like I love you. 
But he's fine. He's fine, but you, you don't fit the blueprint. <laughs> Come on, I'm your pastor. I'm here to help you build a healthy life. I'm not going to lie. So how do you build on Jesus? That's what I want to get into. How do we build on Jesus? Let's get practical. How do we build on Jesus? Well, we build on Jesus the way that I'm seeing this house being built daily. It's been a long process. It's been months since they laid the foundation on this house. And now, and now the structure is all there. It's a beautiful house. My wife and I are nosy every day. We're like, what are they doing now? Like, I'm getting ready to go to work. My wife's out the window. I'm like, stop being so nosy. Like... She's like, it's exciting every day. They're adding new things. And now we're online. We're looking up how much the house has cost and all this stuff. And because it's a process. As of today, they were, they were working on the inside. Cabinets are coming in, you know, and all this cool stuff. But they had to start with the foundation. The foundation had to be really solid. It took a long time. And I'm telling you, it was not overnight. So we built daily, right? And in and, 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 and a, a, a healthy house, it's not just daily. It, it, it's work. Rihanna was right. <laughs> work, work, work. I don't know what else she says, but she says work. <laughs> it takes work. The rest is speaking in tongues for me. I don't know what she's saying. <laughs> hey, hey, work, work. You know, if you want to hit today, just mumble. You know, that's all these, that's all these rappers are doing nowadays. <laughs> work. But y'all are in church today. You got to work, 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 work. It's a daily grind. And it takes discipline. Doesn't it? Because there's a lot of shortcuts you can take on a house that might hurt you later. I witnessed this. When we, when we bought our house, we were getting ready to move in. Literally days, like two days from moving in, we get a call that you can't move in. Because we can't, they can't, they say we can't find paperwork on the basement that was done in your house. We're like two days away. We had sold our house already. Now we're homeless. <laughs> we had to go live with my in-laws for a month because they had to go back, open all the basement, and do all the work all over again because they didn't have permits. So their shortcut didn't just affect them. It affected us. But God is so good that he caught it two days before because it would have been on me, and they paid about $7,000 to get the whole work fixed. Even then, God's like, I got your back. Two days. Hold on. I got you. I can preach right there and just tell you, it's, it's just a delay. God's got a plan for your life. Just hold on. He's got this. Just hold on. He's the one that's building this thing. Right? It, it might make you uncomfortable for about a month, you know, living with your in-laws. I have great in-laws. It was awesome. Shout out to my in-laws. They're amazing people. You know, if you don't have that, I got 99 problems, but my in-laws ain't one. This stuff just comes to mind. It's weird. <laughs> Listen, it takes time. It takes work. It takes discipline to build a life well built. That's what Jesus is saying. So I want to get practical with you today. And let's talk about how to build on Jesus, the foundation. First of all, is he Lord of your life? If he's not, the rest of this is not going to make sense to you. But if you do give your life to Jesus, the rest will make sense. But it starts with surrendering to him first. Because he says, man, I have a plan for every aspect of your life. See, you don't want a house that just works on Sundays. <laughs> right? You don't want like, go home 
on Wednesday and, you, and, and your electricity is not on. Right? You don't want Thursday to come around and you're like, I got nothing to drink in this house. It could happen, but you don't want that to be the norm. Right? You want your house to be functioning every step of the way, every moment of the way. Jesus is saying, like, if you want me to build a well house for you, your, your life, then allow me to take full reins of everything. That's what he means to be Lord. Right? So let's talk about this practically. First of all, when Jesus is the Lord of my life, then I filter my decisions through him. Because life is full of decisions. Just today you already made a few. And some of them, you just do them by muscle memory. Hopefully you brushed your teeth today. That's a great decision. <laughs> Hopefully you took a shower. That's not just for your sake, but the person next to you. Like, these are healthy decisions. Okay? That Jesus is like, listen, I built you to make these decisions. But there are certain things that you might want to run by me when it comes to making certain decisions. Right? Because your decisions will affect your tomorrow. Not just yours, but the people that might come on this journey with you. So here's what scripture says about this. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. When, the, when Jesus is the Lord of my life, then my decisions are filtered through him. Something powerful, let me tell you this. Something powerful when you run your life by Jesus. I'm telling you, it saves you a lot of headaches. I know I keep joking about relationships, and the reason why I do that, because I, I believe this. Next to saying yes to Jesus, the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with is the greatest decision of your life. That's why I talk about it so much. I want to see you blessed. I don't want to see more divorces. I don't want to see more broken relationships. I don't want to see kids grow up without their fathers or their mothers. I want to see healthy families to grow and thrive. That's why we talk about it over and over again because it's a, it's a big part of life. So I need to run that by Jesus. Right? He's he fine, but what do you think? And Jesus will be honest with you. The reason why sometimes we don't want to run uh, decisions by Jesus is because he's honest. Like sometimes people come to me for advice, but they already had made, they might made up. It's like, it's not an advice you want. You just want me to agree with you. And if I want a life well built, I'm not looking for people to agree with me. I'm looking for people who could be honest with me. Because I could lie to myself. Have you ever lie to yourself and believe yourself? And then you look back, you're like, that was on me. I was the storm. Oh, y'all ain't going to talk to me today. That was on me. Like, I was the storm. I'm telling you, I see this all the time. I, you know, I don't want to freak you out. Last night I prayed about something. This morning I got an answer. I'm telling you, when they say sleep on it, to me is Jesus, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this with you. I woke up today, I'm, I'm, not, I'm telling you, as God's my witness, I was like, whoa, amazing. Over and over again, Jesus does that if you can run your life by him. If you're in a rush, stop. Because Jesus is not in it. He takes his time. If you're in your feelings, don't get out the car and start dancing. Don't do it. You might wreck your car. Kiki's a liar. Don't do it. It's a moving vehicle for a reason. Yo, man, we're so bored nowadays. We'll, we'll just do anything. You know? Say, <laughs> Y'all don't know what I'm talking about? Just, just go on Facebook today. You'll see somebody being crazy. Kiki. 
my decisions. Because Jesus is not going to tell you, get out of a moving car. He's not, I guarantee you that, because he loves your life. You, you do something crazy like that, you die. He's like, you came too early. That wasn't my plan. That was Kiki's plan. I got to run my family by Jesus. It's so critical that my family is under the will of God. This is why I'm telling you, if you're single, don't do it. If they don't love Jesus first. I'm a pastor. I got to be honest with you. Sometimes, ladies, he'll say all the right things. And when he has you wrapped, then he'll do whatever he wants. If he's not doing it now, he's not going to do it later. Just being honest with you. There's like red flags all around us. We were like, but Kiki, though. There's red flags all around. Sometimes you spend five minutes with someone, there's already so many red flags, but you're trying to like, trying to like not see them. Got to run my family by Jesus. So, so if you're single, you have to have this declaration. I am going to be with someone who their foundation is on Jesus. That, make that decision. And if you're already, if you're already married, even if, even if your spouse doesn't follow Jesus, make that, make that confession over your life. Yeah. Jesus, this family is going to serve you. I want to give you a word. Listen, Joshua says, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That's a statement. That's a prophetic statement. That's a word from God. Like, you got to speak over your family. We're going to be a godly family. We're going to love Jesus together. We're going to walk with Jesus. Our children are going to walk with Jesus. Our children's children are going to walk with Jesus. We're going to see the will of Jesus over our lives. Put your family under Jesus. If you're single and you have kids already, man, more the reason. To say, Jesus, this time, make sure that we're going to be a family unit the right way. Because I'm telling you, next to Jesus, that's the most important decision of your life. And if your marriage is going through some stuff, make this declaration. God, us for me and my house, we are going to serve you. It may not feel like it right now, but the blueprint says, us for me and my house, we will serve you. Number three, it's relationships, not just Romantic relationships. Jesus talks about business relationships, networking. Look, look what he says about that. He says, listen, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Now, of course, when you teach this, people say, well, I'm supposed to reach unbelievers. Yeah, reach them, not become like them. He says, don't team up. When you team up, you're in a team. It was actually, the, 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 the context of this verse is business relationships. He's saying, if you start to make business relationships with people who don't have the same worldview as you, and you begin to cut corners, guess what? Jesus is not going to bless your business. Sooner or later, it's going it's to reflect. I have a businessman in our church who does really well. Great man of God. But he said, man, I noticed for a month I stopped praying for my business, and we lost $20,000. 
because I was listening to someone who was like, yeah, you, you're starting to get too much into church and all this stuff. He's like, God gave me a clear evidence. Look, when you don't put your business under my will and you're listening to someone who doesn't even follow me, watch what I'm going to do. But he says, literally the next month they made up more than that. He's like, I'm making more money now than I've ever made before. When I said to Jesus, you're the Lord of my business. I'm going to make my decisions through you. And this man is a generous man. Why? Because he understands. Jesus blesses my business. And if you keep reading this, he goes into relationships. He says, man, how is it that you're going to have a relationship with someone who doesn't honor Jesus with their body? He says, don't you know your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Now, people say we're old school, this whole thing about, like, you know, wait till you're married, all this stuff. No, it's not old school. It's it's Jesus' school. It's the school of Jesus that says, no, you're blessed to wait on me. You're blessed to trust me because that's the most intimate thing you will ever do with someone. And so why don't you make sure that there is a covenant there where someone's not violating your trust? Because it's hard with Jesus, never mind without him. Come on, talk to me, somebody. We're, We're teaching good stuff here today. And speaking of finances, look, Jesus said this, put your finances under my will. He says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He says, people who don't know me every day get up anxious, stressed, worried, what they're going to eat, how they're going to pay their bills. He said, listen, for you, put me first. He said, trust me. See, when we tell you it's a tithe, it's not, we don't want your money. I hope you get that. This thing will keep going whether you give or not. Like, we will do this over and over again, whether people give or not. We're saying, when you put your finances under Jesus, you will see the blessings of God over your life. We see it all the time. We see families blessed all the time because they just said, God, have your way. Have your way. Like, I'm going to seek you first. I'm going to put you first. Blueprint says, it is all the Lord's anyways. He's saying, trust me when I tell you, honor me with your finances or watch what I will do. And the last thing today Jesus said, once you understand that, you're spirit-led. You're not feelings-led. You're not society-led. You're spirit-led. Here's my last scripture for you today. Romans says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. That's why I said, if Jesus is not Lord, everything else I've said makes no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. People say, why should I give the church 10%? It makes no sense because when you get Jesus, you understand he doesn't have 10%. He has 100%. When you know who you're serving, when you know who you're following. So he says the Holy Spirit comes on you and he illuminates your mind. You think different. Your confession is different. Your heart is different. Your decisions are different. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I was 19 when my dad had an encounter with Jesus, and he shifted our family dynamic. My dad was an alcoholic. I've seen abuse physically, verbally. It was hard. But, man, I saw the greatest miracle I've ever seen in my life when Jesus got a hold of my dad. Never been to an AA meeting. He set him free, delivered him. And then my dad began to understand this. And he says, now, now I've made a lot of mistakes. But from, from this point on, as for us, we're going to serve the Lord. And it became a shift. So I say that, say that to encourage you. Because sometimes you're like, man, I'm not seeing this, Bill. Let Jesus take full reins. He'll begin to shift your family. 
shift your priorities. And then at 20 years old, he revealed himself to me. And now I have kids, and I make that declaration. When they go to bed every night, I go, I, go, I go around and pray, Jesus, everyone will serve you. Every single one of them will have an encounter with you. Because as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. <laughs> Speak that over your life. Don't let your feelings dictate your faith. Let your faith overrule your feelings. Today we're going to take communion. Why do we take communion? It's to be reminded of who is Lord of our lives. Listen, if you don't have a communion cup next to you, do me a favor. Let's try not to distract this moment. It's a very sacred moment. We take communion to be reminded that our lives will pay with a price. The price was Jesus' life so that we can have life. The reason why we don't do this every week is because we don't want to take it for granted. We do it every few months to keep it fresh so we don't lose the heart of it. But you know what? Before we take communion, you have to understand this. If Jesus is not the Lord of your life, then it's just a ritual. It doesn't mean anything. But when Jesus is Lord of your life, then it has a deeper meaning. Then you can say, he did this for me. He did this because he loved me. He did this because he has a plan for my life. He did this because he believes in me. So before we take communion, I'm going to ask you to do a little self-reflection so you don't take it in vain. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and think about that question. Is Jesus the Lord of my life? Have I submitted my life to him? If so, you can begin to, in your heart right now, begin to say thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for your goodness over me. If, you don't, if you're not sure if Jesus is the Lord of your life, then I'm going to say a prayer right now f- that you would make Jesus the Lord of your life. But remember, it's not by force. It's a willing desire to say, Jesus, I want to have you in my life. I want you to forgive me my sins. I want to embrace what you've done for me. I want you to have your way in me. So with every head bowed, eyes closed, this is the personal time. That's why we close our eyes, just to reflect on ourselves. I'm going to say this prayer. If you're here, you never made Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm going to make this prayer. And I pray you say it. The Bible says if you can confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, he will come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and begin this process of building your life through him. So pray with me. Would you say, Father... I heard you this morning, and I want to respond. Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Be my Lord and my Savior. From this day forward, I declare that my life belongs to you. Thank you for saving me, for loving me, and thank you that you're building my life through you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to connect with us, you can find us at newlifesouthcoast.com for any further information.